The year is 1990. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year Cosmic Edition. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to 1990 Part 3. Today we're going to talk about a bunch of Marvel comics released in 1990, all of them quite cosmic in nature. I am joined today by a very special friend. He is, uh, I, I refer to him as a little pet name, little pet name I got for him based on a terrible accident he had uh, back in college. He uh, tased himself right in the face, <laughs> fell to the ground, yelled, don't tase me, bro, at himself, I believe. <laughs> and then we had to take him to the hospital. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Uh, very well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um I, I had no idea where you were going with that. Sorry, I'm thrown through a loop because you were just like, I have a pet name for him. He had a terrible accident. <laughs> and I, ha- I have a lot of pet names for you, so it, that could have yeah. gone yeah, in yeah, different right. directions. A, yes, exactly. But that's right. We're going to be reading the debut of the first Guardians of the Galaxy series Marvel has ever had. Obviously, the character has been introduced, but this will be the first official Guardians of the Galaxy title. We're going to talk about a Stan Lee penned graphic novel. What year is this? This is 1960? No, it's 1990 as we go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. And then we're going to talk about the return, the return of the king, the return of Jim Starlin on Silver Surfer, the rebirth of Thanos, and Thanos Quest. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen, brother. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is my Marvel this year. We go through the Marvel comics through from its origins to today. I'm Dave. He's Zach. Uh, today we're doing 1990 part three. You can support my Marvel this year by going to Patreon.com/slash My Marvel this year. We are entirely listener supported, despite copious sponsorship opportunities. Despite the conspiracy reject. theories, we take no outsider dark money. Okay? I've been hearing a lot about that lately. Yeah, I've been hearing yeah, a lot a about lot of that conspiracies lately. swirling now, around. Now I us. will. I will admit. I will admit. Sometimes Just, I try to check. I try to check Patreon. Uh, with all the lights turned off and with my computer brightness turned all the way down. I try to go on the dark web that way and check Patreon. And Zach, it's going poorly. It's going very badly. I <laughs> uh, can't see a thing. People and, uh, people think they, they have like, they've got it all figured out just because they keep posting pictures on Twitter of me having private luncheons with mm-hmm, Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm, many, mm-hmm. multiple lunches, private lunches with Kevin Feige. They're like, oh, look, evidence that my mother this year is, is, you know, just corporate sponsored. No, we're just pals. Well, I... I will say, I will say there is some evidence. And now when you say people keep posting these photos, you're talking about them. This is state's evidence. And uh, they actually have this. This is Feige tied to a chair uh, and and also taped and duct taped around his mouth. And you holding him there with what appears to me, be a super soaker, me, me demanding that he uh, accept your theories oatmeal for up Ben Grimm. The duct tape. Yeah, I'm just like shoving oatmeal around the duct tape covering his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, right. Which he loves oatmeal. It's so his favorite. Yeah, it's his favorite. Of course. Yeah, so that that's actually <laughs> generous it. of you. I'll give you that. But uh, okay, so that's that's what's going on in Zach's life. Um, in the meantime, we we are going to talk about a bunch of Marvel comics, and uh, what else? Oh, if you if you like the show, if you happen to like the show, mm. um, you can support us on Patreon, but also rating and reviewing on iTunes. 
helps us out in all. We're very lot. close. So thank you so much. And I don't, I don't know if we're going to hit it by this point when this episode comes out, but we're very close to our eight hundred dollar goal, which is to cover the Marvel swimsuit special. There's like four I'm of these for issues. That one. I'm I don't very think I've excited. ever read a Marvel swimsuit special. I mean, certainly are, I've seen pictures. They are so much fun. They are incredibly charming, which is not what I expected. Right. Uh, when right. I when I opened, I kind of thought like, oh, I'm gonna check this out and maybe. Uh, well, you know what I thought was gonna happen when I checked it out. Oh, I know. But, why, I know why I you like, opened that comic. Yeah, exactly. But then I was like, oh, this actually would be pretty interesting to discuss. So. Um, okay and we may have a special guest on for that one as well if yeah, you are hopefully. so inclined to support so all right here's what we're gonna do the the issues for everything we read is in the show notes today's uh today's issues and then what we're doing going forward if you want the list for this full spreadsheet you can get access to that over on the patreon but in the meantime we're gonna start with guardians of the galaxy then we're gonna go to silver surfer the enslavers written by stan lee and then we are going to cover the best of the bunch Silver Surfer and Thanos Quest. Zach, Guardians of the Galaxy, official series launch. We've got writing and art here by Jim Valentino, a, a newcomer to our Marvel Comics, to our My Marvelous Year a Journey. I quite enjoy this run on Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it is super underrated, I think, because it, it is often forgotten because when people think of the Guardians of the Galaxy in 2021, they think, understandably, of the MCU version. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. and what it, what became a surprise smash hit, entirely based on, almost entirely based on the series that launched in two thousand eight. Okay, there's a two thousands version of the Guardians of the Galaxy that is the template for the MCU version. These mm-hmm. Guardians are the characters that we saw introduced in 1968. They are the old classic Guardians. We've seen them pop up in things like the Korvac saga in Avengers. They pop up here and there. They're not major Marvel players it's, it's, okay. at all. Vance, Astro, Martin X, Charlie 27, uh, Starha- Starhawk in Alita, Aleta, and uh, Nikki. I think that's all of them. Oh, you uh, forgot Yandu. Yeah, oh, Yandu, would be, I... Yandu would be the one carry through. Yeah. How, how, actually, how could I forget Yandu? Because genuinely, he's the one who stands out to me as being like, well, this guy's cool. <laughs> this guy could his Mohawk it. be taller? Is probably the first it's question you ask crazy. yourself, and the answer yeah. is definitely not. But if it could, Jim Valentino would find a way. Um, th- this arc, it so the Guardians of the Galaxy, the classic Guardians of the Galaxy, are from the 31st century. So they are from way in the future. They are from a variety of planets in our solar system, like uh, Charlie 27 is from Jupiter. Um, Major Vass Anstro was like from our timeline. He's an Earth, but was then shot into space so he's got captain america vibes they this arc is called the quest for the shield right so it's the guardians trying to track down the original captain america shield the thing i like that um that jim valentino does really well is he gives these guardians he grounds them in like marvel universe stuff from the timeline that we know from earth 616 that we know but he puts it all in the future so throughout this run you get stuff with like the Ghost Rider of the future, with Galactus, with, you know, like concepts that we know and understand and enjoy in our Marvel reading experience, but mm-hmm. the future versions of them. In that regard, I think Guardians clever, is done yeah. fairly well. Yeah, that, that's all That's all pretty clever. Um, I, I like I like that. Okay, so the, the thing with this comic, I think um, some interesting ideas, some like interesting premises, it feels like straight out of 1972. Like, this comic, if we read this in 1972, I wouldn't have batted an eye. <laughs> like, genuinely, mm. I would have been like, this fits right in. It's middle-of-the-road 70s comic for me. I I, I don't know. Like, there the, is the a art... lot of recapping of the stuff that happened with yeah, that, team Yeah, that is kind of surprising because, like, were you surprised at, like, wow, they have a big history for never having had a, uh, a solo <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it series. is. It is. It's like this it's is lot, you know Wikipedia yeah. before Wikipedia, right? When comics yeah, had to yeah, just yeah. be like, "Hey, here's three pages of everything that happened to these characters." I, I think it's really. Um, I, I don't think it succeeds. I think it, it is really uh, unsuccessful in trying to like get you up to speed with these characters. You know, and like I, I already know kinda... that Aletta's cleavage and and V cut would have been that deep in the seventies. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's I'll a few little that. touches, right? Like they probably wouldn't have been called Taser Face, right? You know, there, there's a few little aesthetic differences, but like the art and the um the pacing and the 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 exposition all feel very dated to me, uh, in like in the worst ways, in ways that are not like fun to me. Um, Interesting. That that's definitely yeah. a criticism. I think Jim Valentino's art is. It does not feel super old to me. Oh, it does. I do think oh, his visuals. Oh. Yeah, um, this isn't like me. John Buscema Redux. Like Valentino is, he's not McFarlane or or Liefeld or Jim Leave, and right, kind of like the new wave. But actually, that's kind of the the caliber that Jim Valentino ascribes to because he's he's going to be one of those image guys. Um, even though here his style is, I guess, much cleaner than theirs, a little more traditional. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, the villain is Taserface here for those of Guardians <laughs> yeah, 2 yeah, yeah. heads. Uh, he is, and he has played entirely straight, right? It is dead serious that Taserface is the major major yes. villain. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, you know, if you're if you're curious about Guardians history in this classic lineup, this this doesn't, it has a backup that gives you the literal history of the Guardians. It does a nice in, job being like, you don't form. have to go back and read everything. <laughs> if you just yeah, want to read. No, in text, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, so, you know, I mean, like, this This is, yeah, I would say if you're interested in this, right, like, there's something to, to check out here if you already have an interest in this. If you, It, it kind of reminded me of how you feel about Alpha Flight, where you're just like, if you're not interested mm. in this, you're probably just going to be like, whatever, I don't care about this. Like, Yeah, I, you have to like, you have to like Marvel Cosmic. You have to care a fair amount. See, I f- um, adore Mar- Marvel Cosmic, and I was bored <laughs> senseless by this, right? Because well, this is not Marvel Cosmic. Marvel this is Marvel as much mm. as you think you do. This is not there, Marvel Cosmic. There is some payoff this here is to Marvel know the classic sci-fi. Scro- do you do you classify like the the scrolls and the Kree as Marvel Cosmic? Because I don't. That's not how I think of them. I think of yeah, Cosmic as a, for sure. Oh, see, because I, I think of that as aliens. like space and sci-fi, but not like Cosmic is the stuff that's like a little metaphysical, right? It's not like hard sci-fi. You know, it's not aliens. It's uh, it's cosmic beings and it's things existing outside of our understanding. And it's you know, it's Silver Surfer and it's Galactus. And like, I feel like they kind of exist on a separate. I mean, it's a, if we're talking about a Kree scroll story that primarily takes place off Earth, that's a part of Marvel Cosmic. See, yeah, yeah. It's I guess that's not how I, I view it. But yeah, there's there's some fun ideas here. I mean, well, Yondu's. <laughs> I mean, co- you're talking about Marvel metaphysical. That's a different reading order. That is. <laughs> true i'd read that one um there's some fun ideas here i like that charlie 27 he's, he's just very dense because he was raised on jupiter right and the, mm-hmm. the gravity is higher there um yondu great design on yondu great design on yondu and martin x both of them i think have excellent designs yondu's whistle arrow it, besides being in guardians of the galaxy the coolest thing ever what a cool fun idea that is yeah i think it's, it's actually kind of not exploited here i wonder if you know they they use it to better effect later like right. you don't get how cool it is except just like it's a cool idea but you don't really get to see it in action in interesting ways here it's not that is one of those quirkier power sets too that like marvel i think one of the things that they are limited in a lot of times is like well what are the superpowers and they're very like oh they can be strong or they can fly and but mm-hmm. they don't get into like the real weird sort of nitty-gritty of like, like a, i whistle yeah they can the, whistle the arrow and make an arrow fly Ugh, that's, like, that's so fairly cool. specific yeah yeah Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm not that hot on this, but <laughs> I did think the premise of this initial arc is really funny in that they get attacked by Taserface in this whole uh, 
alien race called the Starks. And it turns out that back in the 21st century, basically War of the Worlds happened. Martians attacked. Yeah. yeah. And Earth is on the, the verge of destruction. And Tony Stark... <laughs> this is incredible. Tony Stark is like... Well, I can't let my Iron Man suits get into the wrong hands. You know, like, I can't let the Martians get my Iron Man suits. Classic dis- Armor Wars, yeah. Should I destroy them? No. I'm going to put them on a rocket and blast them into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just just the stupidest. Just so dumb. I, I thought that was so funny. It, like, not even, like, with a purpose. Just, like, if I can't have these, no one will. Pew! But I can't, like... <laughs> And it basically uh, creates, you know, the supervillain world, the Stark home world right, in space he, that then carries through into the 31st century. He, he seeds, it's kind of a great touch. Yeah, he seeds a uh, like a an infant race with technology, and they grow up to be, you know, like high tech and war loving because they have all this Stark uh, stuff, and they worship Tony Stark. They have big statues of him. I, I do that's like a, that's a 31st century idea that I really dig. It's a good, it's a good <laughs> idea. It, it's Tony. not, it's not that. I don't know. Like it, it wasn't that fun outside of just like the premise of it, but uh, it, it is a very funny idea. And I like, um, it, it's it's funny because like Tony Stark a few times so far. It, this is not the first time we have seen that Tony Stark is the architect of, like, enormous disaster because of his, you know, like, hubris in making these weapons of mass destruction. Right? The same way that we think about Reed Richards, right? That their intellect is going to backfire. I've seen it a few times, but it's interesting because Iron Man is not really that guy yet. Like, Iron Man is not really the, like, oh, I'm going to make a, you know, a thousand sentient robots that will orbit the planet and, uh, and keep everyone safe and hopefully nothing goes wrong. Like, he hasn't done anything like that yet, but there's already been a few winks that he you know, causes destruction either like in an alternate timeline or on other planets. So, yeah, I like no, it's, it. it's well done here in Guardians. Um, I, I think to your point, like, is it the most amazing thing ever? No, we're literally going to read better today. Um, I think if you're deeply invested in Guardians history, uh, the big Marvel cosmic fabric, um, or just like Jim Valentino as a creator, like there's the series will continue to progress in ways that are interesting if you like these first three issues. If you don't, you're not going to hit, like, issue eight and be like, ah, here we go, baby. Um, even though there's some cool design stuff, like Gar- like um, Ghost Rider's flaming cosmic uh, motorcycle, which is literally better than Cosmic Ghost Rider of this era. Okay? I said it. I said it here. Um, but, yeah. No, I like these fine. They're not incredible. Um, I enjoy this series. It goes for... 20 some issues i want to say 25 yeah, something maybe longer like that. yeah i just look uh, i want to yeah. say 25 no yeah. way longer way longer it goes way longer than that never mind runs till like 1995 um but the valentino where i think maybe goes for like 25 but yeah, oh, yeah. check it out Six, uh, 62 yeah so let's talk next about silver surfer the enslavers this is a graphic novel written by stanley the manly uh with art by who is it is keith pollard Ken, yeah keith um, pollard yep and uh i was i debated not including this uh, because it's not that good, <laughs> I don't think. But it is interesting to me because it's Stanley the Manly. And when was the last time we read something by Stan? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I, I'm glad you I, included I don't know. it. You know, like I, I guess it's interesting. It's I, interesting. I like this a lot more than Guardians. <laughs> yeah, Keith um, Pollard's art here is very good. Yeah, a lot of it is Keith Pollard's art, but also like Stanley having some real restraint with his dialogue and his exposition here. Like this is not it's an been a few years, book. you know? Yeah. It, it's interesting. So I, I read that he actually pitched this way back to Jim shooter in the early eighties. Yeah. And, uh, and Jim shooter was like, all right, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll get, we'll get to it. And then it just went on a, a back shelf. <laughs> and then apparently Keith Pollard, uh, wrote the, or drew the entire thing. 
And then they like rang up Stanley and was just like, uh, yeah, Keith's done with it. Do you want to, do you want to write the dialogue? And then gave him like a month to do it. And he just, you know, yeah. finished it up real quick. So maybe that's why he just had to do it in a hurry. But like, yeah, it is not, it, it feels, it does feel kind of like a sixties book, but like not in a, that's not in an insulting way. It just feels like kind of a simple throwback to like mm-hmm. simpler times without some of the baggage of Stanley writing, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs, just explaining what we're looking at which is uh, right. usually my big problem with it. So yeah, it's fun. It's not, um, I don't think, I mean, we're going to compare this. This is what <laughs> I wanted to do it in this order. So we compare it to the Silver Surfer we're about to talk about with Jim Starlin. It's not right. that, right? Like there's not big ideas here. This is a very easy standard. There could ID. be. It has the potential for big ideas. And like, if you were going to drop a graphic novel today called The Enslavers, uh-huh. you should probably have some nuance and thought behind that. No, um, this book no, doesn't. It's just Morongo does Moo. Not. Morongo Moo, big fat guy being like, I'm stronger than the Hulk. And uh, it's the- very uh, maybe like Flash Gordon or like kind of that old yeah. school pulp, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of like, fan- like John sure. Warlord or John Warlord, uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars kind of thing. But yeah, like you said, if you dig. Stanley the Manly's, you know, 60 Silver Surfer, it's definitely that tenor. It's definitely that vibe. You're going to get a fair amount of pining, you know, for uh, for just the, the grief that Silver Surfer and Norn Rad goes through on a day-to-day. Um, it's not bad. It's not as bad as I think it'd be. Because, like, Stanley, I think okay. once he yeah. gets, once we get past, like, once we get done with the 60s, essentially, like, once we get out of him being on Amazing Spider-Man, it's kind of like, well, did he write anything ever again? Like, was any of it good? And I think one thing that gets held up is the Stan and uh, Moebius did that Silver Surfer Galactus parable, which is interesting. It's very interesting. Um, But then he comes back to Silver Surfer here again for this graphic novel, and it's solid. It's actually solid. I I think he again he doesn't it doesn't feel he's not like Alan Moore, right? And and no one should think that he is. um, Where like Alan Moore writes a thing, there's a chance it's going to be like one of the best things you read. (laughs) You know, certainly like of an of a year. Stanley doesn't have that magic. You know, once he gets out of '60s Marvel, Um, but he also has like 2099 Marvel 2099 Ravager, where it's like, oh, this is one of the worst comics anyone's ever read silver surfer the enslavers is not that and uh and that's good i think keith pollard helps a lot like you said like yes keith pollard told the whole story and then stan comes in and, and dialogues it right so yeah. you know that is that is the and the uh the, the i have to look it up but the uh the colorist here is paul mounts doing very good work a lot of this is the colors yeah. the colors really pop here and they're, they're using they're really using the um the full extent of this is like a graphic novel with glossy paper and, you know, more shades of colors. And it looks and this nice. is Marvel original graphic novel number 58. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are officially still in the era of, of Marvel original graphic novels. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good looking, well done book. If you like Silver Surfer, it's worth checking out. Um, if you're just curious about what Stan would be doing in the nineties, but like you said, there's, literally much better silver server stuff going on at this exact this, same this time. This episode, yeah. <laughs> We're so it's an, it's it. very inessential, you know. It is, yeah. But uh, I I you know, I I'm I guess I'm mostly glad just to check out and like what else did Stan do? That was mostly what was interesting to me. I find that interesting just from like a comic book history perspective yeah, cuz like yeah, exactly. as a creator, it's like, well what did he just stop? And it's like, no, he, he has projects here and there. It's just a matter of were they uh were they worth exploring in more detail? Speaking of exploring in more detail. All right, Jim just got to take a Big breath here, just because... Deep breaths, baby. All right, so the last we saw from Jim Starlin was towards the end of the 70s. -hmm. We had the big Adam Warlock-Thanos war in the pages of a handful of weird issues uh, with the Avengers involved, and we saw Adam Warlock died, and Thanos was frozen in amber or something, basically frozen in stone. He got turned to stone, yeah. Turned to stone. Classic uh, electric light orchestra kind of thing. 
And um, so he's turned to stone, and now Jim Starlin takes over Silver Surfer number 34, okay? Takes on the title, first issue. First issue with Norton Rad. He goes and takes a nap on a planet. Boom, Rebirth of Thanos kicks off. <laughs> it's like he doesn't miss a beat being like, yeah, uh, you know that character I created that was a huge deal? I'm going right back to him. I'm going to do him in the pages of Silver Surfer. This is going to build the Thanos quest, and then you know where that's going. That's going to Infinity Gauntlet. It's, it's so amazing. It's just like... It's so well done, but it's also like just the roadmap is so clear, you know? That like yeah, every piece was, of it feels like it's going to be bigger than the, the next. pacing of this is like the best we've read. It is impeccably paced in the issue and issue to issue. Yeah, right? Like right. it feels like there is a momentum to this. There is a track of like Thanos is the threat through all of these Silver Surfer issues. Silver Surfer needs to get to him. But like there's a, things there's things happening along the way. And we're still checking in with Thanos, and then we're mm-hmm. checking in with Silver Surfer, and maybe this issue diverts Silver Surfer for a whole issue, and then you know they have a confrontation, and then that's not the end of it, and Thanos goes off his own way. It is, it is his mastery over being able to like hold your attention with perfectly paced um, events. I think is just like it's incredible. It, it's some of the best we've read. Period. Like if not the best. Like I. I, I I have a hard time remembering something that just held me where I was just like, yeah, I could read 10 of these in a row because I'm just so on board with this. And you're always giving me something new to look at. Yeah. There's always a new thing happening. It's not feeling overstuffed. You know, it's just like scenes last as long as they, they nothing feels um, like it, no, nothing wears out. It's welcome, but also nothing feels rushed. Like he's just, he's so in total control of, of the scene. Um, it's, it's which really is which stuff. is even more amazing to me. One one thing that Starlin can do so well, to your point, is he can have Thanos have these long, very heavy conversations. Like there's a, mm-hmm. a stretch of this where Thanos explains overpopulation to the Silver Surfer mm-hmm. in detail with examples, whole PowerPoint presentation, and yeah. it's the farthest thing from boring. Yeah. And in the hands of other creators, that could be so boring. That couldn't be nothing. I was struck. One thing I was completely struck by after I watched Avengers Infinity War was kind of thinking like, oh, how'd they do Thanos? You know, now that he's on screen, the Josh Brolin character, what's different versus Jim Starlin? And in my head, I was like, I don't think I don't think uh, the Thanos of the comics was that big on population control. And then you read no, he is. The Rebirth yeah. of Silver Surfer. It's like it's like word oh, for he, word. It's like no, exactly he's the he's same. a straight up eco fascist. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, yeah, totally. But he just he has such mastery over this character that he created. I mean, one of the most astonishing things, honestly, in Marvel history, is when Jim Starlin is like kind of done takes a break from Thanos, takes a break from Marvel in many ways, goes on. He does Dreadstar for a while. He goes to DC, does Batman. He did the, the death of Jason Todd you know, story arc. Can, can um, we actually talk about that just for just a second? Because I've been yeah, reading yeah, sure. a bunch of his DC. It's fine. You know, like his Batman. It's I, not I, extraordinary, I, right? It's not. And that's weird. Cause yeah. like, I, I just read all of his uh, his Batman. He had that whole run of the um, Ten Knights of the Beast, which was like a Introduced notable thing. KG Beast, yeah. Right. It's fine. You know, his Cosmic Odyssey. That is a big standout. That I like Cosmic Odyssey a lot. Cosmic Odyssey was yeah. a big surprise. That's him doing a fourth world story with Mike Mignola drawing, and that yeah. is like, that's good stuff. But I don't yeah. think it's as good as this. Like, this is just a playground that he feels so comfortable in. And that he well, and Death like... in the Family too is, is is a book that you know I went I went back and read it and was pretty disappointed because it's so hyped. Campy. Like the Death of Jason yeah. Todd is it's can't be right. It's not. It's it's it fun. Like have I the same I, kind of control. I like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I that's. 
bad. I don't even know. I haven't read it recently enough to even say. But like, just when you look at the way he handles Thanos versus the way he handles the Joker, it feels like when he's handling the Joker and Batman, it feels like I'm handling this entity. I'm handling this corporate property. Whereas when he handles Thanos, it's like this is my creator-owned work. <laughs> this is my thing. I, I think the the reason why Thanos reads as so I, I don't know. I think why he's so readable. Right and why why it is not this slog to get through these big philosophical things. He has a really clear idea of who Thanos is. Mm-hmm. Thanos is a very deliberate character, and he's not just the mustache twirling baddie. He's not overwrought, and he's not doing these big grand expositions just for like like a Doctor Doom might do necessarily. Because I was thinking mm-hmm. about like why is Thanos so effective, and I think it's because he's so clear eyed in his goals. There's a great line here where um oh god um he's talking to the in-betweener and the in-betweener says something like you're not well known for your mercy and then uh thanos responds but my but my pragmatism is legendary and i was like god that sums you up so well that is such like clear characterization where he does have a very dr doom-esque view of things except he doesn't have that vanity of dr doom right that's what makes him scary is like you you don't see the flaw in him you just see this like unrelenting momentum towards his goals and his goals are terrifying but he has this real conviction about it that he's not like the thing is there's little truths in his conviction right like oh yeah his thing about overpopulation like you know he's making a a a quarter of a convincing argument right that it's not completely untrue what he's saying um so that that's well and then there can be an entire segment where it's like he's talking about here's direct uh dialogue from this environmental concerns are a joke on this planet The people of Earth now live with the vague notion that someone else will solve this problem for them. It never occurs to them that they themselves are that someone. That's Thanos (laughs) talking about environmental concerns on Earth. Silver Surfer's only response is, no, someone will fix it later. He literally says that back at him, you know, like, no, you don't understand. Humans are better than that. They'll, they'll, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them will rise up. You know, Thanos is just like, no, no, they won't. (laughs) <laughs> right. which is like no okay, and, and, well. and talking about that pragmatism though i think one important thing there though is so you're totally right and I, I love that explanation but one important thing with thanos though is within that pragmatism though there is this fiery passion of romance yeah displayed towards lady oh, death because so that is good. one of the big things like thanos and dark side obviously these characters that look similar have similar identities in their respective universes are created around similar times they get compared a lot and the one of the biggest differences and this is something that the writer kieran gillen actually highlighted in an interview talking about eternals where he's he's writing about thanos a little bit in 2020 2021 um is that dark side is all like cold math is the the phrasing that gillen used thanos is like fiery passion sometimes so they're both somewhat similarly pragmatic but thanos will explode in bursts of passion in a way that yeah, let, we'll, does not and that yeah, actually i think totally. makes him more relatable yeah. as a villain yeah let, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to thanos quest because i think that's one of the most like powerful endings <laughs> to an incredible comic is based on that that thing because i think you're i think you're totally yes. right so silver yeah. server well hang on hang on before you do that let me finish my point before yes, I start please, talking please. batman yeah. which was oh, that yeah, yeah. one of the most astonishing things about this character and about starlin's return to him in 1990 is that nobody touched thanos while starlin was gone yeah nobody yeah. touches thanos from 1977 or whatever it is exactly until 1990 there are references right you get roger stern avengers with like nebula debuting and calling herself the granddaughter of thanos and and that kind of being packaged as like a thanos legacy thing but really no creators picked him up and said i'm gonna do a thanos story that has changed dramatically 
<laughs> in the years since. But at this time, it really helps this feel like a big deal because it's like, where's this guy been? And he's back. That's a big deal. You know, it sells it. And it's something I wish, I know it won't happen and I know the reasons it won't happen, but I wish Marvel could do it more. Um, because here it really works, especially when you're doing this decades-long year-by-year read like we're doing in MMY. Yeah, that's true. The MCU has never... I mean, they did that with Red Skull kind of making a cameo in Infinity War, but that's about the closest thing they've done to, uh, you know... Well, like... I'm talking about in comics, but yeah, I mean, in the MCU, sure. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I think I understood. Um, yeah, no, that... God, I think that all the time with comics, where, you know, it, it's impossible. They would never do this, but it's just that idea of, like, hey, do you not have a hot idea for... Uh, fantastic four right now is there no one with like a great fantastic four pitch and you're waiting for that cancel it for a while have fantastic four vanish for two years and then bring them back you know they're still in the marvel too soon they just did it zach we're still getting over it oh i don't know is that a real thing i just brought that up as an example but like i think (laughs) that all the time you're describing really have, have like yo that's right i did know fantastic four was gone for a while but like have that where it's just like make it more normal to have if you don't have a great pitch or you don't have a series that's really working, like just cancel it for a while. Like don't have it around, and that would never happen. There's always going to be a Spider-Man comic yeah. running. No, There's I, always I get why be... it doesn't, but I, I hear what you're saying on that. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm actually into that idea as well. Because pe- so people get mad, like your... oh, so like DC just announced a bunch of new stuff, all their new series for their new lineup. Sure. And I've been seeing people are like very mad at the exclusion of some characters. Like my faves are not getting excluded. Always, and, yeah. And I'm and my my thought is always just like. I mean, it, it's better to have nothing than, like, to have a, a bad series that you're just mad at all the time. Like, wait till someone has a great idea about it, you know? Wait till they have some inspiration for it. Okay, sorry, go on. No, no, oh. I was just waiting for you to finish that with nerds. Nerds! Wait for, wait for it, comma, yeah, that, that was, nerds. No, that was um, subtextual, the nerd. Yeah, I yeah, know, it was there, it was clear. Uh, what I wanted to say is, before we get back into Silver Surfer, um, art by Ron Lim, pencils by Ron Lim. Ron Lim becomes the Jim Starlin Thanos partner here, okay? So Jim yeah. Starlin is no longer doing his art. Ron Lim deserves so much credit yeah. for for the way these books look, for the look and feel of like this entire three-year stretch of a Thanos saga, essentially, of a cosmic saga. Um, I love, I love Ron Lim's art from this era. Like it's yeah. so much of what I fell in love with with Marvel Comics, you know, and I, not in any way disparaging Jim Starlin's art from the 70s, because we both loved that. I, I was but Ron Lim to, in the 90s yeah. becomes like, when I think of Thanos, when I think of him standing over the Infinity Well talking, it's Ron Lim pencils, it's Ken Brisenak letters, uh, it's whoever's inking and coloring them. You know, in this issue, we got Tom Christopher, Tom Vincent. Uh, it's just, it's that, that's the visual of Thanos that I think of as like the way it should be done. Yeah, I, I was bummed like seeing initially that Jim Starlin was not going to be drawing anymore because I really loved his art, but then Lim, you know, Totally, totally made up for that because his, his work is great. I do wonder, too, if if having Lim on pencils, if that frees up Starlin conceptually uh, to actually focus in more on the story, um, especially at this point in his career. You know, it might just be a thing where, like, the stories might actually be better because he didn't have to work as hard drawing everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, so Silver Surfer is a character that I'm not that interested in usually. Like, he's not my guy necessarily um but he i like the surfer as someone who takes us who lets us explore the cosmos with him he's kind of a vessel like he's the herald right he travels he's kind of a vessel to like get us between interesting cosmic odysseys i Mm -hmm. i don't know that him in and of himself as a character yeah is ever like my main focus right i like he shows up almost always 
Yeah, I guess he's one of those guys. I like when he shows up in other people's comics more than I like his comics. Because his comics are yeah. usually like him just baboning Shalabal or being Shalabal. like, I long, I, I yearn for the stars, right? And it's it, it's like pretty unrelatable, <laughs> unrelatable stuff. Uh, but his but his emotion and his kind of, his constant just like, no, you're wrong, you know, Shakespearean kind of reaction to everything. It's perfect for Thanos in this, exactly like you described previously, where it's like, Thanos is like, yeah, sorry, just got to kill half the earth. And, and he's the perfect counter to that to react so dramatically, you know? Yeah, and and I think um, Star Starlin, just like with Warlock, and just like with Captain Marvel, finds a way to make this character interesting, right? Because Silver Surfer is like stuffy and he's uptight and he's quick to anger here, mm-hmm. but those are not like virtues. You you constantly see people like undercutting that and poking fun of that in that like cutting the feet out from under him because of those yeah. things. Um, okay, so let's see. The sense of humor is still here, right? It's still, it's funny because it's like, it's simultaneously some of the most serious comics we've read, like with, with some of the best stakes setting, like setting the yeah. stakes and letting it play out and letting you feel it build and build and build. That's incredible. But at the same time, you have a whole issue where like, mainly Drax the Destroyer <laughs> is clinging to Silver Surfer's surfboard and just won't get off of it. Like he's just like dangling off of it. And the way that he distracts him is he takes him and he's like, okay, I know where Thanos is. We'll have to get it from the information machine on Earth, which is just he sits him in front of a TV. And then when Drax gets absorbed in the TV show, he sneaks away. So, so two things there. One, Starlin's Drax versus what Drax is now. Yeah, is so different. <laughs> if it you is... are only familiar with the, I guess we've read some Drax stuff in the seventies, right? Yeah, it's different yeah. there, but this is the era now of Drax reboot, Drax Redux, and Starlin just going like hard Hulk comedy. Has the comic? Drax. Has the yeah? Has the comic uh, like reconfigured to match the MCU version? The no, because the comics do it first. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, gotcha. Yeah, I was, uh, I and then the sure. second thing I want to point out in terms of Starlin doing comedy, he also does an Impossible Man issue for an extended period of time, and I don't hate it. And that's I hard know. to do. I, I like. I like to. I actually remembered this from the first time I read this because I, I had I read. Not. This was the first thing I ever read when I got Marvel Unlimited like five years ago. Um, oh, I thought I, you meant like as a baby. Like, like <laughs> what a cool, what cool parents. <laughs> my first, my first, my first book was Thanos Quest. Um, <laughs> yeah, is is I I watched Infinity War got you know, Marvel Unlimited and, and read this. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Impossible Man stuff totally rubbed me the wrong way. No, it's pretty funny. And, you know, like it, it is that thing poking fun at Silver Surfer and telling him he needs to lighten up and doing a bunch of visual gags. And it's doing Impossible yeah. Man right, which is that he's not like, I don't know, you, you can't do it too seriously. He can't be an actual threat. He has to be a silly threat. Um, well, and, and, he, and he can't be around too long. Because yes. <laughs> if you keep him for too many pages, it's yeah, it's a huge the Mister Mixapitalic thing, right? You know, like yeah. do do one issue occasionally, and it won't wear out its welcome. And yeah. and the joke that Silver Surfer makes at the very end about his pointy head is very good in the delivery Actually, of that. I, it, I laughed it gets at me. Yeah. I enjoy it. And him I like being that like, sense of comedy. Did I make a joke? <laughs> That's very yeah, good. right. Um, yeah, very good. The the other thing that Starlin's doing that's incredible is he is he comes in and he immediately builds his own world. And he yeah. builds it not on the back of like explanations and expositions, but like let's and it's limb too. Let's the art speak for it. So like, mm-hmm. Silver Surfer's on this planet, and then Death's Palace appears, and it's this big, you know, like bone palace full of wailing heads. There's like wailing faces inside. Death's two minions that like speak for her, 
And it's never, like, explained that she doesn't speak in her minion. You know, like, a lesser comic would have to explain all this. It just lets and you I, live in this I remember universe. reading that the first time and just having lots of questions. But it, but in, like, the best way. Just being like, who are, yes, who are these? I, right. I gotta know more. You yes, know? exactly. It leaves you, like, wanting more. And you're just, like, you're curious about this world. Because it's just, like, yeah, her two minions are, a uh, like, the corpses of a rat and uh, in this knight. It's just cool. It's, like, it's great design. It kind of makes an instinctive sense without having to explain too much to you. But like he's just building up this whole little little universe that that meshes well with the rest of the Marvel universe while standing on its own. I think that's that's such a feat, you know. Yeah. Um, I do uh, really wonder what it would have been like for someone reading comics. Um, let like two versions of this, right? One, somebody who read comics from 1975 to 1990. Yeah. And they'd been waiting for a decade plus, and then what that experience would have felt like. But then probably even more like somebody who came to. Uh, Days of Future Past, Dark Phoenix Saga, and then now they're entering the era of Thanos in 1990, and and with not without the background of the 70s, because they they do some exposition later, like Silver yeah. Surfer visits the Avengers, they literally do a recap kind of thing, but it's like two or three issues in. I just wonder what that experience would have felt like. Like, would it have been? Because I feel like it immediately sinks your hooks into you. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. There's all. I'm trying to think. Like, has there ever been a point where I like kind of didn't know? Thanos was a huge deal. I feel like there was because I read these before any of the MCU stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in that regard, I think it does like it. It makes you feel like this character matters, like this villain matters, without all the preconceived notion that of course he does. He's Thanos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think you're totally right. Um, okay. So before we get into Thanos' quest, I just want to yeah. point out we 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 read 34 through 38, and then. I have so I was reading this. I felt lucky enough to be reading this in paper. I have the like the big Infinity Gauntlet Omni, and I read this on nice. on paper, which was nice. Um, this that one has also um, issue forty in it. I just want to like encourage people to go read that one. It is so funny. Have you read that? Where at I the end? Of, I have at the end of this Silver Surfer quote unquote kills Thanos, and Thanos like leaves behind some fake bones and vanishes because yeah. he wants to throw Silver Surfer off his track. Right? Yeah. 40, a robot shows up to Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer delivers the bones back to Titan, and a robot shows up and is like, hey, uh, Thanos was a citizen of Dynamo City. He was recently, like, he recently gained citizenship, and you murdered him? You need to stand trial. (laughs) And then Silver Surfer needs to go to this city, and Thanos leaves a last will and testament, basically being like, hey, Silver Surfer, I went through the painstaking process of gaining citizenship here. This city is the ultimate bureaucracy. Have fun, like, working out, uh, live, <laughs> like, yeah. staying here and uh, dealing with their, like, bureaucracy. And they trap, they, like, suck all this energy out so he actually has to, like, stay in trial and deal with all this, like, bureaucracy yeah. and stuff. It's so funny that Thanos would just be like, I'll just keep him busy by, like, having him get under arrest for <laughs> killing me. <laughs> right. It's, right. it's so wacky and funny. But the thing is, it's not like a joke to him. You know, like, it's, it's done with a light touch, and it's clearly, like, th- there's a comedic element to it, but it's not a joke, necessarily. Or it's not, like, it, it, it's not to not be taken seriously. That That's, like, the line he walks that I, I think is really, well, really he still cares. Because, you know, Starlin as a creator still cares in that he likes these characters. Yeah. And that he's not, he's never poking fun at their expense. He's literally just having fun. Yeah. And I think you can feel that in the story. I mean, yeah, to to the point of reading 40, Starlin's on Silver Surfer through approximately issue 50. We're going to yeah. read some of the build some more of the build up to Infinity Gauntlet as part of that um in once we get to 1991. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would if you like these and I'd be like I I'd be curious to hear from those of you who don't. But if you like these, you know, yeah, keep reading the Starlin run cuz it's it's yeah. interesting and it's all available on MU now. 
Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so Speaking Thanos. of the Starlin run, Thanos Quest, this is yeah. where we're going to wrap things up. Yeah. Zach, I love Thanos Quest. Me too. They are my Me too, favorite <laughs> Thanos Quest. Com- They're my favorite Thanos comics, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they're, I like them more than Infinity Gauntlet. I like them more than the Warlock War. I like them more than what we just talked about. Nothing does Thanos better than him searching for the six soul gems for his mystery. I love that death. he even rebrands them halfway through. He's like, rebrands you know what? those puppies. Calling them soul gems doesn't really make sense. They're infinity gems now, and like, and mm-hmm. he has to correct people a few times. <laughs> like he yeah. says that, yeah. and then a couple other people are like, "You've come for the soul gem," and he's like, "I like to call them infinity stones now." Because <laughs> they're still calling them soul gems in Rebirth of Thanos, I think, in the, in the Silver Surfer issues. Oh, really? Um, but yeah, okay. they re- they get rebranded here. We get we start getting our infinity stuff, uh, and he's looking into the infinity well with Mistress Death, and he just has to go to six different Marvel Cosmic players, all of whom become some of my favorite Marvel Cosmic editions. Uh, and, and, like, it's just... It's so great watching Thanos basically outwit every one of them. Um, he goes and he just outsmarts and outpowers in yeah, some situations, it, it, but mostly outsmarts depending all on, of them. Depending on the person, right? Depending on the, the threat, he will On go. the person and the gem that they have, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun, right? He just methodically, like, he always has a plan. We're not always in on the plan, but, like, right. we, we just get enough... He usually drops enough little hints that we see the plan come together. And it, like, it does that weird Hitchcock thing where you accidentally, like, are kind of rooting for the bad guy, right? Like, he, by making him the protagonist. Yeah, right. Oh, for sure. You kind of get invested in, like, his battles and you're just, like, almost rooting for him to win because he's so competent at it. I would say the time I felt that the least is the Gardener, which is maybe my favorite my favorite meetup of any of them. You Mm -hmm. know, because the Gardener is just, like, so at peace. Yeah, and he's so just like, yeah, this garden's awesome. It helps me make awesome gardens. <laughs> and he just, it's hard, it's hard to root against him because it's like Thanos. He just wants to garden, but the way that that issue, that 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 episode resolves, and the way that while they're just having a, because the whole action of it is just them having a conversation. Yeah, and then vines and leaves and things extending and and you know going up people's nose and stuff. Right? It's like that's probably the one where I'm like, but but you get the sense too that like Thanos almost feels bad. Like he's got a respect yeah, he, for yeah, his ta- foe he talks in about a way. It, yeah, he's like, right. oh, I feel, I feel, you know, sad that I had to kill him. But uh, yeah. yeah, but he I does, mean, that, that's the thing. Like he, he's very similar to uh, Doom for me. You know, like you, you feel like he doesn't have. It, he's the, the he's the Doom of space. I mean, Thanos it, is the Doom of space. It, but but like, there's good distinct differences, right? He's not just cribbing Doom. Like there are dis- like he's not vain. He does not have a vanity about him. At least not. I here. thought your line earlier was was pretty smart too, which was that um. He's clearer-eyed in his goals. Yeah. Doom is often fuzzy on goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think that is fair, uh, with some exceptions. Like, that's why I think, like, the thing with Doom freeing his mom from hell is so important and Mm -hmm. so kind of valid because it's one of his clearest goals. Whereas with Latveria, it's like, what are you actually trying to do? Are you actually trying to take over the world? Do you just want to run an awesome nation? Sometimes that's fuzzy. Thanos is often very clear, especially in Thanos' quest. I want to get these six gems, and then I'm going to destroy half the world half the universe right it's clear you know exactly what he's doing down to the numbers and okay so i think i think the thing yeah yeah i adore this comic it looks beautiful so well paced pencils john beady inks tom vincent colors tom vincent's color by ken brosniak tom tom vincent is that what you said yeah yeah his colors are so good his shading is uh is just beautiful here um edits by craig anderson i don't know if that's the same craig anderson no that's Brent Anderson, who pencils um, God Love, Man Kills. Never mind. 
Never mind. Um, the what was I going to say? Um, the the thing. Comic yeah, rules. I mean, we we I think we <laughs> kind of covered why we adore this comic. It, how it, how how high does this rank on the MMY scale? I, I mean, mean wh- where does this? We got we got Frank Miller Daredevil. We got God, Rage of the so Panther. Hard. We got Thanos Quest. I mean, it's for me, it's up there. It's it's right. It, it's right there with Miller's Daredevil. It's definitely above Rage. I've of the got Panther it below for me because, and part of that's because it is two oversized issues. I guess you know instead it's, of it's an entire run. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to finish this whole this whole run, and then I'll I'll, I'll try to try to place it personally. But it, it's up mm-hmm. there. I, I mean, just these two are, are incredible. But the the thing is, the ending it lands the ending so well. It just hits it so well, which is not just yeah. yeah. It, it ends with he's got the six stones, six beautiful splash pages of like each stone does this thing. Like it does that great thing where every time he gets a stone, he's like you understand what it specifically controls. Right, yeah. so you just feel the threat of this because he feels like he's absolutely unstoppable, like fully a god in the the biggest sense, can do literally anything. And each of these splash pages just visually represents that, and so much fun. Um, so it sets well, let's, up. Let's talk about who he faces off against. Oh, you want to go through it? Okay, sure. I mean, it, not in not each one. Like I want to talk about the details, but he faces off against um, the in betweener. A mm-hmm. cosmic being that is in between realms, often inhabits limbo. In this situation, he is the prisoner of Lord Chaos and Master Order. And the reason I want to go through these is because Jim Starlin, he is fleshing out the Marvel cosmic hierarchy, okay? Who yep. are the gods? Who are the cosmic entities that are on, like, a Galactus-like level? And this starts to become a huge, important part of Starlin's Marvel cosmic that really adds to the, again, this pantheon of cosmic beings really makes this kind of special, in my view. Um, he then goes up against two elders of the universe. This is the champion and the gardener. The elders of the universe, um, probably the most famous one, is the collector. Mm-hmm. Who we've yeah. seen we, the we've seen the collector and we've seen the grandmaster. Because the, the contest, contest of in, champions, uh, right? Exactly, exactly. So he goes up against the Grandmaster as the final one, and he goes up against the Collector as well, and then also the Runner. Uh, I would say the Runner is the least discussed <laughs> elder yeah. of the universe. He's kind of uh, funny, Because though. he runs yeah. through space, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fun. I, I liked his, his little battle with him, though. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There, there are no missteps in the, in these comics. I mean, they're the perfect Thanos story. They're the perfect setup for Infinity Gauntlet. That's, okay, uh, so that, that's, no, that's the first level I that I think no this... Criticism. <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely have none. the the first The yeah, first no. level that I think this like nails the ending is that he's not fighting superheroes. This is pretty mm. far removed from the entire Marvel universe, even more than the Silver Surfer comics. Like the Silver Surfer comics, he you know he goes to Earth, he sees She Hulk, he meets Reed Richards, yeah. he talks to Captain yeah. America, whatever. Um, not Reed Richards, but um, but Thanos. This is like entirely this cosmic thing, but you know it's gonna start butting up against the Avengers soon, and it is just like before. The Marvel superheroes even have a shot at him. He is already unstoppable. The threat feels that the threat just is built to like the the highest level. It yeah. feels like we. I have no idea how they would ever deal with this. Right? Like it, it has that thing at the end of Infinity War where you're just like, how will they ever bounce back from this? Like where where does it mm-hmm. go from here? I don't even see how mm-hmm. it goes from here because it's over already. Right? I think it really earns that feeling, which I think is tough to do. Right? I think it's tough to make a huge threat feel huge without it just getting um like boring, you know, sometimes you can just say you can just say a threat is huge and you just kind of check out because it doesn't feel like it's earned it. I think this has totally earned it. The other thing I think well, it does even even Strong's Captain Marvel kind of falls into that trap a little bit. Oh yeah, he just it, has it has to very quickly escalate. Yeah. Hey, Thanos is super strong and he has a cosmic cube and now he's a god. And I, I yeah. think that story earns it. I like that story. 
But this story sells the build. Levels so that up. Yeah, it levels that mm-hmm. up quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other level that I think it really succeeds at is that he gets all the infinity gems and then he goes back to death and he's like, hey, sorry, I guess I deceived you a little bit in gaining all this power. You know, I did like he, he's been working for death this whole time and he didn't quite tell death like what his overall plan was he was just saying like i have to go get these gems to yeah expedite you know your your task for me now he's more powerful than death and death is just like yeah um he's just like oh thanos says you needed someone i think you deserve someone who's at least your equal if not your superior right to be your mate (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) right like i wasn't which i i gotta i gotta take issue again this is not the first time marvel has taken directly from my wedding vows in dialogue in their comics (laughs) a little i i just feel like i should get paid at some point (laughs) incredible um and and he says this like you know i i wanted basically like i wanted to be someone that like you'd be proud of (laughs) You know, like, you deserve someone better. He's, like, on his knees. He's, like, he's not, like, bragging. He's, like, pleading with her. Right. You know, like, look how powerful I am. Like, I I am somebody who, like, basically, like, deserves, you know, we we are now made for each other. And Death, through her minions, is just like, uh, yeah, sure. Here's the throne next to me. You, you earned it. You're so far above. And he's just like, talk to me. And she's, she through her minions is like, no, you're so far above her. You, your, your status is so many ranks above her that she doesn't even deign to speak to you now. Now it's that she won't talk to you because you are so elevated above her. It wouldn't be proper. And this Mistress is, Death takes the silent treatment oh, to another level. So good. And he snaps. So strong. This is the moment where that calm control breaks. And I love like, it's the first mm-hmm. real moment of big violence. You know, we, we saw the gardener get gardened, right? Like, with vines out yeah, of him. Yeah, he, he blows up a rat. Yeah, <laughs> he blows up a rat, man. Explodes. Like, some of the most violent stuff we've seen in Marvel, period. I don't know if we've yeah. ever seen this much, like, blood and guts. This true. is, like, out of vertigo. Like, he blows this guy up in gory, bloody detail because he's furious and he stomps off, basically. Like, I could bend her to my will. I could make her love me. But I want love, not blind subservience. And right. he has not gotten what he really wants. It's great it's so good like what a smart move you know like he wins in 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 one regard but in another regard he's totally like lost and he has not like gained what he's here's been the, searching for the whole time exactly here's here's the final page uh some dialogue here yeah no sentient could ever dream or hope for more than i have accomplished who could have guessed that becoming god would prove to be such a hollow victory and he's got a single tear streaming down his cheek and it earns that but it's also it's it's like uh, but it's also like well i don't feel empathy for you thanos no (laughs) no no it's not that you know you're not supposed to he is a he is a monstrous monstrous individual and he's also like you know again like it's not a healthy good thing it's not supposed to be it's not pitched that way but the nuance and the depth of the character's emotions comes through so strongly it's yeah it sets up infinity gauntlet absolutely beautifully and we talked about this when um when they did mcu thanos where we were like I'm glad they didn't try to do this in the movies, you know, the Mistress Death stuff and selling this because there's so many ways it could go wrong. But in the, it's amazing how it plays in the comics because even now I don't feel like I don't feel like you could read this and be like problematic. Like I just oh don't no no feel like you could no, do no, that. No, it doesn't no, feel that way to me. No, it's great. I, I I I saw one take that I thought was pretty good, which is that you know trying to do the comic version, uh, because because the I mean sorry, trying to do the MCU version like the comics, which is that like drawing the comparison between Thanos courting death and having this um like entitlement to her is a very genuine 
you know, d- dynamic in uh, with with men and women of men feeling like, hey, I earned this, <laughs> you know, yeah, like I right. earned your affection, and that that if handled correctly, I think could be an interesting like take that big sci-fi concept with him courting death and turn it into kind of a it's analogy. A if, though. Yeah, right. but yes, no, I, I I think that's a a complication that the movies probably did not need. So <laughs> um, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, but, but it, I enjoy them quite a bit. So good here. Yeah. Yeah, but Thanos Quest, uh, it's super rules. I I mean, listen, I don't want to like, you know, tell you that we peaked, but honestly, this might be my favorite 90s comic. <laughs> <laughs> right at the beginning of 1990. Great. They're uh, well, so the, good. I really yeah, like it's, these. It's, I'm, I'm excited because uh, I've read Infinity Gauntlet, though I don't remember much about it. I remember Thanos Quest. Thanos Quest lived a huge impression. I don't remember much Infinity Gauntlet. Um, yeah. And then I didn't read after this because this immediately kicks off like the era of Thanos, right? Like Thanos is going to be all over the early 90s. And then, I don't know, late 90s, 2000s, like I don't know how present he is throughout. But there's another big Infinity arc like right after this, right? Um, Yeah. So after after 1990 Thanos Quest, 1991 is Infinity Gauntlet, 1992 is Infinity War. Yeah. And then 1993 or Infinity Wars. And then 1993 is Infinity Crusades. So Starlin now has three years in a row coming up where he's doing a big Marvel Universe event, okay? And, uh, yeah, Infinity Gauntlet, I mean, again, like, I'm, I'm talking about how much I love this, but I don't want to undersell, like, Infinity Gauntlet is very good. There's oh, a reason yeah, I, I remember it. liking it a lot, yeah. Do you, do, yeah, what do you think so about the there's other? There's going to be tons to talk about. I'm actually a big, uh, I'm actually a big Infinity Wars fan. Yeah. I think it's much better than its reputation. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll all be fun to talk Infinity about. Infinity Wars, and, uh, is that a different thing than Infinity War? Oh, good grief. Now they got me all confused. I think Infinity Wars Infinity is War the is Starling. 1992. Yes, that is the Starlin. Infinity War Singular is the MCU movie, and also the 2000, what was it, 19 event that tried to tie in and capitalize on the naming. Okay. Infinity War Singular is 1991. What? I'm looking at it right now on the spreadsheet. What? Yeah. But then Wars must be the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They, they... Is, is the Avengers movie Infinity Wars then? Or is it, is it singular? <laughs> this is so dumb. Infinity War. It's singular also. It is singular. Yep. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, whatever. Scratch scratch that explanation then. Uh, Infinity it, the Wars thing, is it means the two nothing. Read the comics yeah. written by Jim Starlin from 1992 when we get there. Do not read the comics that were published in 2018. You will be confused and disappointed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, how are those though? Are those good too? <laughs> the 2018 version? Yeah, Jerry Dugan. Uh, uh not great, Zach. Hmm. But then Starlin, great. Starlin is writing like um, it cosmic stuff like in the 2000s as well, right? Doesn't he come back and do some other stuff? Jim I... Starlin has a so there's three eras of of Jim Starlin Thanos. There's 70s Thanos. There's yep. 90s Thanos. Yep. Really 1990 to you know 94 essentially, mm-hmm. and then there is 2000s. From 2002, actually recently, Thanos, but that's pretty sporadic. It's more of a, well, we'll get there. But yeah, you know, he comes back. There's going to okay. be some Thanos stuff you can touch on. I got to say, okay, this is this is not important, but Jim Starlin might be my favorite Marvel writer. Might be, it, it's it's real close between him and like Miller right now for me. Um, and Miller really just has Daredevil. So like, I'm, I think Frank Miller, Daredevil is yeah. objectively better. Oh, um, see, I, I don't know. Like, it maybe it's a little better, but I don't know. Like, it, it's really tough for me to decide, like, which one I would want to read more. Like, which one? I, I if love I had to throw one in, If I had to throw one in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just think if you take, if you take Miller's style out of Marvel yeah. and put it on other stuff, um, 
it, it well i don't know it, it works quite well like batman dark knight returns batman year one like i guess if we're just talking about like who's a more celebrated creator obviously miller oh yeah i mean but i think we're miller, just talking about the writing within just the talking marvel about confines, marvel yeah yeah um, i have a hard time with it and it's really going to depend on like the next two years of starlin i have i have this big omnibus so i'm going to keep reading everything he wrote in uh in marvel i don't think I, I don't think i'd agree i don't think i'd agree that he's actually the best marvel writer uh i love i he is one of their best stories. oh no i, I no question my favorite I, I don't know best like no no i hear you i hear yeah, you yeah yeah my fave um, yeah, because I mean, like, especially if we're talking impact. I mean, if we're talking impact, then Claremont is probably it, right? Like, and he's far from my fave, but like, Claremont's, you know, impact. Impact be. in the moment or impact today? I, yeah, I guess that's true because now Thanos Starlin's is, like, is pretty massive. Right. Now, now Starlin has created, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, like some characters for that, and then the backbone of the last, like, the two biggest Avengers movies, which are the two biggest movies, like, ever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean it's like it's kirby one yeah lee one b dicko one c starling claremont yeah essentially yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. john burn yeah i think right but those are that's a pretty (laughs) pretty reasonable list yeah all right um beat from praising a comic this much i'm not used to that Oh, so yeah. exhausting. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This yeah. has been a fun Marvel Cosmic episode of My Marvelous Year. If you want to see the comics we're reading next time, you can find them in the show notes. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece. You can find me at Comic Book Herald pretty much anywhere online. You can find Zach at My Marvelous Year on social. Oh, I'm on um, Twitter selling my tweets as non-fungible tokens now. So uh, He is you... <laughs> desperately... Look, these and the things thing you do. These are the thing flying. You do is you make a joke that no one reacts to, yep. no one enjoys, except for then me. I love it. Yeah. You sell it, then, but you think it's great. No, no, yes. your your yeah. confidence in that joke is not to be questioned. But then it's you sell good. it as a non fungible token for high, high price, and now those things are selling like hotcakes. Crazy. I mean, the scarcity model is really it's really working out for me. But you know, like it's not working out for all of the ice that listen, you melted in your yard. As your power and your heat is just... Zach, your yard is literally on fire. And I don't know how to tell you this, but it is an environmental issue. I, I mean, uh, Herman Melville, uh, Van Gogh, not mm-hmm. appreciated mm-hmm. in their time. It's going to be the same with me and my tweets. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so so you better buy them now, right? Like, think about that. Buying a, buying a Van Gogh before uh, before he right. you know, before he died. Right. You know, buy it for pittance now. Sell it for a fortune later. Same with my tweets. <laughs> By Portrait my, of the my... Tweeter is a young man. Yeah, you can my... own it. <laughs> That's very funny. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next year. Baby, that's a real 1960s.